Hello, my fellow apes and other terrestrials. I'm Tom, and welcome to the 10th episode of our weekly podcast. This week, uh, we're going to be talking about the uh, floods and forest fires that have been ravaging Europe and how we can deal with such an enormous catastrophe as activists. Uh, I'm joined today by uh, two of my lovely fellow climate activists, uh, Kato. Yeah, hi. So um, as Tom mentioned, I'm Kato. I um, am a climate activist. Uh, I was already on one of your first podcasts, I think. Um, yeah, and I study social cultural work in Leuven, which is also where I do most of my activism work. And on my other side, Dorian. Well, thanks for having me here, Tom. Uh, we were talking about this for a very long time. Uh, so I appreciate the invitation. Um, I'm also a climate activist and uh, I study ecotechnology at the, at the Vives University College in Kortrijk. Um, and that's, that's also the city where I did the most of my uh, cli climate activism. Okay, without further ado, um, let's look into this. Um, so in recent weeks, Europe has been ravaged by uh, various uh, floods and forest fires. Um, if we go over the list, uh, we have seen floods in Belgium, Germany, Austria. Um, Switzerland had its fair share of uh, intense rainfall, uh, which filled up its rivers and lakes. Uh, we have seen the London subway fully submerged, or, or uh, at least partially submerged. Uh, and we have seen heavy rainfall in the north of Italy as well. Um, meanwhile, or at the moment, uh, Sardinia has been on fire, as well as parts of Turkey, where entire farms have been obliterated. Uh, Sicily, Greece, the Balkans, uh, southern Spain have all experienced intense heat. Uh, in the south of Spain, uh, the uh, mercury reached 45 degrees and uh, was climbing towards 50 at some points. Uh, and even in the north of Europe, uh, Lapland, uh, Norway, Finland and Greenland have all experienced intense heat as well. Um, that is a pretty overwhelming thing to experience. How do you guys feel about that? Yeah, it's very overwhelming, as you just said. That was my, like my, my main uh, takeaway from these last weeks and... Uh, some events prior to that that were heavy, heavily um, discussed in the media. Every time I watched the news, I was incredibly overwhelmed, as in existential dread coming over me and creeping up. And I always got into this headspace of being just like thinking these very, very like catastrophic things because the events that are happening are quite catastrophic. So then you start thinking, what if this happens and what if this happens? And you can just feel this general, like, overwhelming, looming climate crisis hanging over your head. And that wasn't fun. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, that's how I experienced it, at least. Um, it was just also a bit of a wake-up call because this has been, like, a reality for a lot of people around the world for a long mm -hmm. time. Uh, while only now these intense catastrophes scale... Um, climate, um, yeah, catastrophes are only now coming to Europe and to like the westernized world to say. Um, and it was a bit of like a wake up call to see how privileged we've been uh, to have been able to like not suffer the main part of the, 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 the crisis for a long time. But now it's here and it was a bit, yeah, yeah, just intense and it opened my eyes uh, for me. Yeah, um, this is, we know uh, that um, increased global warming causes more extreme weather. Um, and this is what we see with 1.1 uh, 1 degrees heating at the moment, which is where we are, uh, as well as uh, 420 parts per million in the atmosphere. Uh, exactly. Um, the uh, observatory at uh, Mauna Low in uh, Hawaii uh, is measuring the CO2 concentration, but also other greenhouse gases concentration in parts per million. That's why PPM, parts per million. Um, 
since uh, the 1965, no, uh, yeah, 65, so in the middle of the 50s. So that's uh, a very long time that they are measuring the uh, concentration of uh, CO2 and other uh, greenhouse gas uh, emissions. And it's pretty terrifying, uh, but not as a um, unluckily surprise. I mean, scientists um, at, uh, well, some know, uh, knew the story. Scientists at ExxonMobil uh, calculated in 1977 that uh, the CO that burning fossil fuels will eventually increase greenhouse gas emissions, which uh, causes a man-made, uh, ex uh, excuse me, human-made um, global warming uh, effect. Mm -hmm. So it, it's it's just science that's uh, doing its job. I mean, uh, you can, but it's terrific that uh, the density uh, is is becoming um, faster than uh, ever in human history um, because we are seeing concentrations that in the last 12,000 years uh, scientists uh, could um, compare it to. So it's, it's, it's just out of our minds uh, fucking shit that's uh, happening right now in our uh, atmosphere. Yeah, exactly. What you said, uh, your point about how it's been predicted by science for a really long time is also one of the things that angers me most because yeah. we've known that this would happen, yet now um, the media coverage about it is very unclimate-related, mo mostly catastrophe-related, not like structural enough. And okay, some articles have come out about a lot of art articles have com come out about like the climate side of it, but also it's not on the top of everyone's minds that we've been planning for, We're we should have been planning for this and we should have been prepared for these kind of cat catastrophes to come because we knew they would happen. But I think we've all been, or at least policymakers have been in some state of denial. Oh, that shit never happens here. Uh, that never, we, we never do that. Yeah. And even so now, we, we're still not seeing action in, ter in any way that is closely, or that, that closely resembles any form of action taken on, on the corona pandemic, for example. We're not seeing the same graphs shown every day on the, on the news. We're not seeing, you know, all... All, all stops being pulled to start mitigating and, and adapting to this mm -hmm. phenomena. Yet, you know, we, we see leaders walking through the rubbish and, and yeah. taking in their, um, taking in the environment and, and shaking hands and yeah, saying... Yeah, making their press photographs. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And yet still mm -hmm. nothing. And it's, it kind of, it feels like it plays into this larger problem of like, we keep setting uh, goals and targets uh, and like Greta Thunberg says, yeah, sure, you can set as many goals as you want, but the point is we should be doing as much as possible, as quickly as possible, not, you know, just being uh, uh, climate neutral or, or achieving net zero uh, emissions in 2050, which by the way still just gives us a 50% chance of staying below 1.5 degrees anyway. And it's it is, like you said, I, I fully feel that too. It's incredibly infuriating just to continuously see this happen over and over and over again. And even in this space, because a lot of environmental organizations have said in the past, oh, you know, what it takes is one good crisis at home and then they'll see. Mm -hmm. I don't think so. We have seen a big crisis now. We've kind of already seen big crises in the past, but it doesn't seem like that changes anything. Um, and that is, I think, one, infuriating, two, disappointing, uh, fearful as well. And um, I think it should kind of push us to switch gears, but that's maybe for later in the podcast. Yeah, but I wholly, I completely fully agree. 
and the point that you made about um, how this should be some kind of a wake-up call to politicians, to the system, to to shift into another gear of climate uh, policy. The fact that it hasn't been that has been exactly what's like angered me the most and hurt me the most because one of the frameworks that I used to for, to see this world through it was like, yeah, if it's just because the consequences aren't here yet, that's why no one's taking action. Mm-hmm. And to see that uh, completely fall away is, was like, there's no mo- logical explanation aside from, yeah, profit over people, which is something that I really, it's, it's, to me, it's just really, really infuriating to see how so many people can be so set into a system that they don't question uh the, the bigger sis- the issues um at hand when literally their world is falling out from under their feet and i've always thought if that happens action will have to be taken but apparently not <laughs> yay or not enough mm-hmm. yet um to say this the former u.s president bill clinton he said in the 90s uh it's the economy stupid so that's only that uh, priority that politicians are focusing on to um, fix on the economy and less on climate change is so paradoxical when you uh, see what else happening um, around the globe uh, because that same economy where it's fueled by fossil fuel is literally... Um, making uh, the planet more dangerous for uh, human beings, but also uh, animal uh, life, also um, plants. Uh, Even the oceans are uh, becoming uh, more with uh, acid. So Mm -hmm. it's literally a a, a whole entire uh, ecosystem that is starting to collapse. And... One uh, example is the Great Barrier Reef uh, in Australia. uh, Australia. I mean, even the corals are so, um, uh, let us say, attacked by uh, the um, uh, combined from the assets. it's contaminating. Uh, I was uh, searching for the words. Um, so, if you think about that, just um, then you really have to be literally blind and stupid that you still want to continue with this economic module fueled by fossil fuel. If you, it's it's like you're selling um, a uh, flamethrower. Um, and you're testing it in your own house. Yeah. I mean, but the economic, the 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 quote you gave of Clinton is kind of interesting because I doing the research for this episode, I came across uh, some articles, and I in one of them they mentioned, uh, or or a journalist talking to a climate scientist uh, mentioned, oh, so many. Uh, Billions in property value are going to disappear due to coastal erosion and, and uh, sea level rise. And I stepped away or I looked away from the screen for a moment and I was thinking like, what person measures land lost in terms of property value? <laughs> like areas get measured in terms of meters and square kilometers and like are. Uh, it's it's not it's weird in its in and of itself i think in a certain way that we measure it or we try to convey the the size of it in terms of property value in terms of money and we use money as a as a measurement unit in this case instead of i mean even just like the amount of people that live on that land it kind of says something about the standards or the default way of looking at things i feel like that we use dollars instead of like the amount of people or the just just the surface area of it yeah it's like there's no value being put on anything that cannot be sold for an like some amount of money and Mm -hmm. yeah it's infuriating and also 
just if you're looking completely at like the economic point having to deal with these climate catastrophes is costly <laughs> very very much more costly than having to prevent them and i think that's like a basic economic principle that a lot of politicians policy policymakers economists lobbyists are ignoring and are choosing to not see because in the end we'll all have to pay so much more if if you want to measure measure it and what you have to pay mm -hmm. simply yeah let's lean into their logic it'll be so much worse if we let it let it like all play out and these uh, funds that will have to be invested to prevent it will seem peanuts to what has to be invested to try to rebuild a society or rebuild or relocate so many people and we'll have to deal with it definitely there will have to be climate um, adaptation we already have to do that but the scale of it will increase so much more and we'll have to pay so much more money so if any economists or politicians are listening well think about the money afterwards <laughs> mm -hmm. one concrete examples are insurance uh, organizations um i uh, read an article that in 2020 um around the globe insurance organizations had to uh give out uh 123 uh, billion uh, I thought euros or uh, dollars um, but still that amount of that huge amount of money only in 2020 imagine uh, that on a scale of uh, a 10 years uh, period or a 30 year period I mean that's a huge amount of money that's just been um, invested to um to the aftermath of the already damaged um, uh, yeah, signs of, of homes uh, or just the area where you live by climate change. I mean, think about that. I mean, uh, riding with a diesel car or just pla uh, of building new gas power plants or even uh, phase out coil too slow uh, seems so. Um, uh, how do you say? Um, um, I'm looking for words. Uh, innocent, um, mm -hmm. but if you see the bigger picture, it's literally uh, drown, uh, graving, uh, digging your own grave. Yes. <laughs> So I don't want to be very um, doom thinking about all of this, but that's literally what is happening. And it's the science. It's not uh, a group of people who are predicting the apocalypse. It's just the science that's doing its work. So even if uh, environmental organizations are, uh, are, are silent, um, Science is, is still doing its work in I mean, the worst. Even the scientists are basically getting a depression from their own work. Um, this is from 2015. I can't imagine it has gone much better in the meantime. Um, but studies have shown that uh, a lot of scientists apparently experience what is called pre-traumatic stress, where basically the, um, they suffer from overwhelming senses of anger, panic, and obsessive intrusive thoughts um, that result from simply working every day uh, to chart a planetary future that looks increasingly apocalyptic. Uh, so it's basically just constantly being exposed to this uh, not-so-happy picture, to say the least. Um, and as well, the unwillingness of most industrialized countries to um, truly take action on that sense. And it has also been uh, to a certain degree um, sensed or, or diagnosed on uh, some activists. Um, yeah, I'm not... Inf I mean, we shouldn't self-diagnose, but the anger, fear, and, uh, self and the intrusive thoughts of 
not being able to think about other things uh, do seem a bit familiar to me. Yeah, um, <laughs> sounds familiar. <laughs> Been there. Mm. Uh, one student uh, once said about my um, degree that if uh, it, w- uh, it was a she, uh, a student in uh, psychology, and she said um, to me that if I ever want to study uh, eco-technology, then I literally uh, become depressed. And <laughs> she is mostly right. Uh, (laughs) because um, another way we deal with our problems cynical laughter (laughs) (laughs) try it Um, because uh, not only that yeah we uh, um, we see in our uh, degree solutions but also the facts I mean Mm -hmm. and also the slow um, adaptation the slow uh, implementation of solutions I mean just for example, in Belgium, we are like 20 years um, d- daggering around about one energy source. It's literally pathetic to see. I mean, yeah. mm-hmm. come on. <laughs> and it makes you, it, the same with, with the other stuff, it makes you fearful of what else is to, how, how are we ever going to deal with any of the other problems? And the list is long. Yeah, very so many other long. things have to happen. Too long. <laughs> and we can't, we can't decide on a nuclear power plant. We can't decide on a uh, stop on pouring concrete on half our con- uh, territory. We can't agree on so many other things. And like, it's, it's really fear-inducing to just to watch the inability to decide on anything and to have anything happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and that in combination with anger and uh, also just the sadness of, for example, the coral reefs falling apart, it makes you start to wonder, like, at one, in, on one hand, you're uh, angry for, for what is... Uh, for how people are continuously pretending to do things and not to do things. You're fearful of what else has to happen and isn't happening yet. And then you are just wondering at some point, like, why you're fucking doing any of it because the world keeps getting sadder and sadder with, mm-hmm. like, species dying out and everything. Um, yeah, to me, the basis of that, like, whole conundrum <laughs> is um, you, as a climate activist, it's like your your prerogative to not accept any of it Mm -hmm. but that's the thing that makes it so hard to deal with because you're concerned for the climate so you take these things that you see uh, um, in the news in the media around you very seriously you you take it personally you have a sort of an emotional connection to me also if i see giant areas of nature destroyed it's almost like a part of me that's grieving so but the first step that my psychologist always says to me is to accept what is and then move on. Mm-hmm. But that's my issue. I cannot accept this situation that we're in. I cannot accept what we're doing to our planet. And I cannot accept how... Okay, um, how you, you're going to have to beep this out, but how fucking incapable... We don't beep are, stuff. <laughs> okay. <laughs> how fucking incapable are politicians, our policymakers, the people that we voted for to say are at taking care of us and the planet that we, that we live on. And every time you see these little like debates about... Oh, but we we need to keep building houses and 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 everyone can just put as much concrete as they want on their properties and everywhere and without the any thought being given to the climate and our world that we all need and we're gonna need for a long time you just yeah it makes you all the things that you said that you feel frustrated angry but also you have no basis to deal with it because my whole thing is I cannot accept this, but yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's difficult. It's just, you have to find a way to kind of accept it and try to work it into your like view of the world to continue with it. But yeah, 
<laughs> hit me up if anyone knows how to do that. <laughs> and what's frustrating me um, the most of all of this is that some politicians are saying, yes, but we can fix climate change by only technology. That I think to myself, no, that's just a... Um, synthesis that you want to use in debates to win elections but in reality technology is just a, a piece of a puzzle not the whole puzzle mm-hmm. i mean it's the mix of um changing behavior uh changing um setting your priorities uh right changing infrastructure changing infrastructure um i mean it's a whole system that uh it's been built that has to be rethinked um and you can't just fix that by technology of course uh there need to be renewable energy uh, or some parts nuclear energy there needs to be electric cars we need to isolate our homes so yes of course we all need that but it's not the only thing that we have to do uh i mean you can have a whole fleet of electric cars but if you have a, another flood then those electric cars are pointless. I mean, you should focus on reinventing mobility, mobility as a service. I mean, that's also what I uh, see in um, my degree. It's. Do you know the term geoengineering? I mean, like on yeah, a, that's on that's the idea of uh, that. Well, it's it's an umbrella term for doing things like spreading aerosols uh, to increase climate Not only cover. that. And other weird shit like, I think at one point I saw somebody proposing to activate a volcano for some yeah, reason. Yeah, and stuff like, like building a whole like shield across the, the world. And yeah. Yeah, a giant mirror in like yeah. space. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that's what uh, we are heading in science. I mean, there are literally scientists who are working on those... Uh, solutions because um, they have no other choice and I mean if politicians really want to wait until we reach that uh, level then go ahead but you don't gonna like it I mean um, there is a uh, idea of a Dutch scientist that he, uh, that wants to build a giant dam uh, across the uh, northeast coast of Scotland and then uh, connected to uh, Norwegian mm-hmm. just to uh, protect the uh, Europe uh, to, to protect uh, Europe from uh, rising sea levels mm-hmm. I mean if, if we really want to wait as a society to that point that the sea level is rising, and you really want to build a dam? Yeah, okay, go mm. ahead. But uh, like I mentioned, you don't—you're not gonna like that because um, it's um, it's a panic uh, reaction that you're mm-hmm. actually are doing. Uh, so it's also not gonna work for all of the other ten thousand problems you're no, dealing with. It's not gonna I mean, work with the we can, fires uh, and with the floods from the rivers yeah. and everything. Let me use the metaphor of the Titanic. <laughs> uh, we all knew the Titanic is sank because it didn't see the iceberg, uh, ice mountain um, at uh, in um, in uh, um, at the right time. So. We as society, as uh, as the planet, we are the Titanic, and the uh, ice mountain is the uh, point of no return. And we don't have that much time before we are hitting the ice mountain. I mean, mm. if we really want to avoid that, so that um, we don't have. Um, collateral damage in whole society, then we really should shifting um, the backbone of everything, like fossil fuel, but also all the mechanism around it, like funding, like mm-hmm. uh, interest and all kind of that. I mean, f- to be concrete, um, shut down power, uh, power plants that are... Um, working on fossil fuels like ASAP. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, definitely. To me, the whole thing that like the uh, I don't remember the correct term for it, like geo geoengineering. Geoengineering. The whole exactly. thing that like geoengineering and trying to move society to Mars and these to me they seem idiotic climate measures are are yeah the, the fact that we we are putting all our our hopes on stuff like that is living in this pretend world where we can just keep going the way we are we have been doing for a long time and that that's why they want to go to whatever lengths to consider to try to keep it the way it is but just somewhere else or just build a dam for it and like i don't know if you know this meme of like a vat of water and then when someone puts a piece, like a pla a piece of plastic on it and it's like oh it's fixed <laughs> it's that exactly to mm. me and they that what just what what angers me most is that these pretend or the, these like quick fixes or they are very very costly <laughs> like trying to go to mars and investing all your money and maybe we could all live there one day or trying to mm -hmm. build a fucking shield around the world or i, I mm -hmm. don't know what that was exactly but and yeah it's just it's just a lot of money is going into places where it's not being used yet or where we would would never have to get to that point if we just invested it in the right places and the right people and the right ways to in, in yeah like the things that you uh, proposed yeah just in the the thing that's right in front of us and not in like this whatever down the road issues we might come into yeah and we i mean we as as Scient prominent scientists like Michio Kaku uh, like to uh, spread and, and like to promote, uh, and he's completely correct. We are becoming slowly a planetary civilization. We have our we have the Olympic Games, or and and soccer being like United the, Nations. We have the United Nations. We have the internet. We have all these global systems. You know, global sports. We have global politics. We have global uh, communications. Uh, and that's wonderful, but one, we're not there yet um, because a global uh, a planetary civilization also can harvest all the energy it receives on a planet, and we're not there yet. <coughs> Fossil fuels. <laughs> I need to get rid of those. <laughs> um, and second of all, it's, it's good to have that vision and to have that future because I think it definitely makes us a bit more optimist. Um, but it can blind us for what we need to do to get there. Um, yeah, because we need like a planetary scale solution, right? Yeah, now. <laughs> maybe that is why the aliens are not visiting visiting us because <laughs> we are uh, digging our own grave with. Fossil yeah, they're just fuels. looking at us being like stupid. Yeah, yeah. they're not. You haven't reached uh, our level yet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I remember the. Uh, words of uh, André Kuipers, a Dutch uh, astronaut, when he was in the International Space Station for six months. Um, he, the first thing that uh, he, no, one of the first uh, thing that he uh, he did was to um, flow uh, into the um, window when they see planet Earth from out of space, and he said. Yeah, our planet Earth is so unique that um, it's one of the few or may not the only place where life actually exists. I mean, if you really think about that, at this time, uh, no other life has been um, known than only what we know on planet Earth. I mean, yes, of course, you have exoplanets, you have... Uh, planets that might look like Earth, but imagine planet Earth is everything um, that it has to uh, th that where life can exist. I mean, think about that. If we go to Mars, which I'm not against to, because um, eventually in time we will become interplanetary, um, we will have to terraform that planet. And that process will take like more than 100 years. I mean, the uh, atmosphere has to yes. change. 
um, cities has to be built. I mean, think about that. And we uh, have already a planet with all uh, things that uh, humans, animals, and plant life can provide. I mean, we have oxygen, we have water, we have food. Um, and that's uh, just throwing away uh, or even destroying it by uh, greed and power is, is, is just insane. I mean, we should be more grateful for this planet because we already have one. There's no planet B yet. And do you really want that humanity just flew to another planet so, that can, so they can start a new um, society then? I mean, it's, it's just ridiculous if you see it. We can uh, we can temper and eventually avoid more climate change, but we have to uh, choose to do that. Uh, I mean, do you really want to live in spacesuits mm-hmm. and all for the rest of our lives? I don't. I mean, I'm no glad way. that I no. can just breathe oxygen from here. So, yeah. l- so let's think happy thoughts. Yeah, but also yeah. what you when said, we have to be more grateful. To me, that's... A, g- a general like gratitude practice is something that has helped my mental health tremendously and also has helped me just to see life to uh, a less pessimistic lens i suppose or mm-hmm. just th- like if we want to keep going as activists it's Im- very important that we also uh, appreciate and our planet and spend time with it and for example if you see a beautiful mm-hmm. sun sunset or sunrise take a moment for yourself to be grateful about what there is and the beauty that has been bestowed upon us to defend or something like that and yeah, yeah it, it mm-hmm. gives you like a spark to keep going because you're like yeah the world is act- is, mm-hmm. is, is so awesome so <laughs> yeah. one of the positive things about the lockdowns that we have is that people re-imagined uh, nature again. I mean, in my own uh, neighborhood, uh, there is a uh, landscape that we call the Hamburgse Meerse. And I literally see during the first two lockdowns that people are massively walking through there, taking pictures, uh, taking picnics. And I think to myself, what the hell happened uh, before that? I mean, before I see, I didn't see that many people but during the lockdowns, everybody was like, oh, let's go uh, into our nature and all. And I mm-hmm. really hope that uh, that uh, will stay because that's uh, the value uh, of, about it. I mean, if you really like nature, then you have to protect it. I mean, don't destroy the thing that you like. But I think it's also... Uh, what you love. I mean... It's also people learning to get in contact with that um, and to for others or, or from f- at least for the activists and the most active people in society f- to get other people along to do that and to organize things like picnics and gatherings in those green spaces so people can experience and learn to appreciate them um, and maybe help other people free time in order to do that because not everyone is as privileged uh, to have uh, free time or access to nature <laughs> or access to nature because well that's one of the problems we're dealing with mm-hmm. um, because also one of the other things that I feel always makes me feel a little bit better is being in contact with other people that understand the problem and that want to do something about it which is why I invited you to here yes, <laughs> definitely but yeah that so helps. thank you for coming <laughs> but also just like sharing what you're going through because I had been like feeling completely like weird and I didn't know how yeah uh, with with everything that was happening on like a climate level I was just like very pessimistic and I said like a few things to Tom and he was like but but you're doing this and and he, he like shed stuff in a different light for me and that really helps there's just like the little thing so doing that <laughs> what also helps is making fun i mean uh it doesn't always have to be heavy and uh depressed uh, it can also be fun uh for example um if you invite a group of friends and you're walking uh through your own um neighborhoods 
and you see some uh, trash uh, laying on the ground to just yeah, pick that up and collect it together, then it gives you a good feeling that you're actually yes. caring about nature. I mean... Um, yeah, in a, a sense of like accomplishment. Yeah, of course. And it's just the little things, but it makes you really happy uh, about that. I uh, will say I was always a skeptic of cleaning up trash because I didn't think that was the job of the activist. But it's fun. I, I <laughs> yes, my mind has changed since I <laughs> did it at the. How so? Yeah. Elaborate. <laughs> since I did it once, and it was it was one fun to sit in. A, okay, to be fair, this was in a kayak. This was in a. <laughs> Can, canoe uh this was in 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 a, in a little boat on a canal uh but you know it was fun to talk with a person just while mm. doing it and a lot of people that came by said thank you and were grateful yeah. for it so in that sense it is useful mm. um and it is also useful for other useful as one marketing i'm not gonna lie about that and too useful for yourself mm -hmm. uh just to you know, do a quiet, nice activity. Yeah. Um, in that sense, I think it's, yeah, a, it's, it's a positive kind of thing. like a regenerative practice. Like you're doing yeah. it, you're not maybe not purposefully doing it for these, like uh, to to have better connections with the people around you, but you're there in a setting in... Yeah, that's why I think a lot of people have been dealing with climate activism completely differently and have been struggling it with it more through the cor cor corona crisis <laughs> covid crisis uh, mm -hmm. yeah through the crisis because you you could only organize online um only now just like a few things have been picking up again for me but still a lot of it is still online <laughs> and all these little like things that are very much usually casual and but also the backbone of a movement because you see people you talk to people you exchange with people you do stuff where you feel like yeah we made a difference together you yeah there's this whole culture that we're we have been missing out on that's been just if if then you're you're faced with uh, a, a pandemic and also uh, suddenly a lot of effects of the climate crisis in your own uh, area is just even more isolating and I think that's one of the strengths and one of the things that we have to come back to um, as climate activists to be more yeah just physically with each other all the time uh, not all the time but a lot more and do even little activities even like playing games together or going yeah. drinking or just doing what normal people do in life, but also be plotting the revolutions at the same time because <laughs> <laughs> important, but... No, Social media is no replacement for real life organizing people. Social media. I have to remind of. myself of that as well. Mm. Yeah, same. You're like, oh yeah, I did a Zoom call. It was fine. I seen this, peop this person, but no. It's not <laughs> how it works. Mm. And uh, of course, climate action doesn't mean that we have to lockdown our whole society is just that uh, we have to um, re um, rebuild our whole uh, society like fundamentally I mean can you yeah. imagine that um, some countries uh, do doesn't have a choice that's just to polluting um, their their air because they want to get out of poverty it's it's just insane but uh, but of course we need to think uh positive because uh a revolution is built on hope uh, and yeah. little star wars reference yeah <laughs> but it, it there is truth in that um art often inspires things like that and inspires political music, thought. films. And I think it's it's not as much as focusing on the shit these countries are polluting and uh, focusing a bit more on the, okay, how can we make sure that they don't have to do that anymore? Well, what if we, you know, and feel free to be radical in it, I, I think. Uh, what if we basically uh, just gave them all the technology and gave them, and, and you know, like... A, uh, maybe I'm a bit nostalgic for the 20th century, but basically just send like a thousand workers on a fucking boat to another country and tell them, 
and ask that country what do you need in terms of infrastructure mm -hmm. and give it to them for yeah. once. So we have the internet. Yeah, <laughs> but also. Yeah, but that, I mean, <laughs> in terms of physical yeah, of course, yeah. Also, but yeah, share um, information about just for us Free. activists. Yeah, go ahead. No, no. Uh, nee, no, what you uh, said that reminded me of also a point I think Tom made uh, a few days ago uh, because you said to think positive and I, I think that's really important but also the backbone the, the, our revolution so to say, <laughs> there's not really a revolution yet but a movement is built on people and I think the most revolutionary thing that you can do is to invest yourself and the people around you and allow yourself mm -hmm. to feel shit for a bit and to dwell on it and to work through it instead of thinking oh it's fine i'll just go on to the next thing which is what i did for a long time and i was very close to like a little baby bernard but um yeah you just need to sometimes not uh, not be pushing yourself to be making the most impact because the most impact you can make is when you're at your best and when you're not depressed and not suffering from climate anxiety. So I think it's like something that we as activists have to do as well, just invest so much more in ourselves and be like, yeah, I have some issues, so I might just go to a psychologist if, if, if that's, of course, um, within your reach and you can afford that stuff like that um but yeah also do these little things with your with the people around you it's so much more effective than just keeping keep going on your own and fixing the next issue and the next issue and researching this and that and this this action here and that action there which i think is what we've all been doing while a bit like missing out on the important regenerative like parts of that so mm -hmm. that's my was my um yeah <laughs> how do you say it my um the thing that switched to my brain how do you epiphany <laughs> that was an epiphany <laughs> that i had last year that in order to be able to take care of the climate and take care of the people around me i have to take care of myself um, more and yeah that's yeah self-care is good yeah really. and just i can recommend it everybody if if you're feeling stuff and if you're feeling like you're not having positive thoughts that's also fine it's what it is and what are you gonna do about it for yourself it's okay to not to be okay <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> definitely i mean yeah, sorry yeah I interrupted your no no you didn't <laughs> okay <laughs> No, but that's true. And and I mean, learn from the values that you are trying to spread or trying to defend. Like sustainability also counts for you, counts for your organization and your network. Um, ability to withstand a crisis or a big impact also, you know, holds for you and your organization. Um, if something big and, and terrible happens, you know, talk with it talk with each other about it, um, deal with it. And sometimes, you know, listen to your feelings. Um, for example, uh, organizing a march uh, is in, and screaming at the politicians is great. It's cathartic. Uh, catharsis. Mm -hmm. It's catharsis in a certain way. It helps relieve tension. But, you know, if you keep getting angry from seeing that the politicians don't do anything or don't, or basically have committed to waiting till the very last moment and, and are just saying this is our form of action we'll wait till 2049 and then we'll do all the things at once you know and then maybe your feeling is right and you should you know break with them and find other ways to build uh your yeah. trust like becoming a politician yourself <laughs> i mean <laughs> <Nope>. or <laughs> finding people in your community that you trust that's how aoc yeah. got in power True. um that was basically the mm -hmm. public being like, we don't like mm -hmm. any of these candidates, so we're going to find yeah. people we like and True. ask them to go. And also, if you're not feeling okay and if you feel like you're close to maybe not burning out, but you feel like I haven't been taking care of myself properly, it's. I think it's something that as a climate experience, we experience climate activists we experience uh, maybe some guilt if we're not doing a lot of things all the time or if we haven't been 
working on some projects or 10 things at the same time. Um, and it's completely okay to also be like, yeah, no, I cannot do anything at this point for myself or I have to take a break and just let that be because I've been struggling with that. I've ha I've had a long year of breaks and maybe not doing as much as I could do and it's taken a toll on me because I feel like I haven't been able to contribute as much as I wanted to. But at the same time, if I was pushing myself even further, maybe I wouldn't have been able to get back at it any time again. So just, yeah, find other ways to contribute or just keep... You're, you're contributing if you're working on yourself as well because you're important to uh, our mm -hmm. <laughs> plans. <laughs> I remember that like all around the globe people are um awareing of the of the climate crisis so you're not alone in this you never walk alone in this so um like like uh, 79 of all people are aware of this yeah. um and like uh, kato and tom uh, said uh, reach out to uh, each other and because it's more fun to do climate actions with uh, as many people than alone. I mean, yeah, I think also radical yeah. individualism is dead. True. I yeah. think we're going to have a lot of cool, like, inspirational quotes from this episode. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Keenan someone wants fish to those make... Out when he's yeah, back. <laughs> does someone want to make, like, a, 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 a word cloud or something? <laughs> or, like, quotes uh, meme? <laughs> we'll use that as a thumbnail for the video on YouTube. Yes, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> um, but um, I guess that's a good place to end. Um, and we'll... Maybe go drink something and do the things we just <laughs> told other people yes, to do. and uh, not go home and lie in my bed and watch Netflix. Nope. <laughs> no, no, the sun is still but shining for the moment. So. But that's also okay if you want to watch Netflix. True, but I have been doing it for way too long. <laughs> <laughs> it's good that you know that of yourself. Yeah. <laughs> but uh. yeah, the sun is out. It's a nice weather, so... Go outside and call your mom and tell her you love her or something like that. <laughs> and hug each other more because that's cute. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yes. Sorry. Okay. Thank you, Kato. Thank you, Dorian. And uh, thank you, uh, guys, from li for listening. Um, see you next week with another podcast episode. Bye-bye.